Hey, welcome everybody. Romans 15 is where we're going to continue. We'll pick up where we left off last week. We made it through to verse 13, so we'll start in verse 14 in a minute. We'll pray and jump right in. You do need a Bible or an app, most of the, the verses. It's just long, won't be on the screen this morning. Okay, so while I pray, you can go in and find your Bible. Lord, we love you and we thank you for another day to worship you and to learn. And we just pray that today would be transformative. God, remind us of the things that you, you shared a long while ago and we've forgotten or we've just neglected. Lord, show us things that are new, things that, uh, that are about you that we haven't seen yet. Some of the wonder and the beauty of who you are that we, we don't have a gaze on. We, Lord, we want to know more. And God, we want to do stuff that matters. We don't want to waste your time and your life, and your resources that you've given. So we're asking for big things. Reshape us to be, uh, to be and live more like Jesus. And Lord, we know this is a lifelong pursuit, so here we are again, another week, another day. We want to grow, and we're asking the Spirit of God to be our guide as we look at the Scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in a series called In Light of the Day, capital D, and we've been looking at this letter to a church in Rome. We're getting towards the end. And in light of the day that you meet Jesus, how do you live? In light of the day where this life ends for you, how do you live? Um, I, uh, you, m- most of you know here a guy named Luis Palau. He's a great friend, and he's a leader and an evangelist. And if you don't know him, just Wikipedia or Google, and you realize he lives here in Portland. And recently he was given, right before Christmas, a um, stage four cancer diagnosis, and we've shared that. And it's interesting, when you're living, he's 84, when you're living knowing that the doctors have said, barring a miracle, there's nothing they can do to stop it. That does impact the way that you see every day. At least it should. Well, he's been a mentor of mine for 24 years, and a real friend and a father. And so I had lunch with him this week, first time we were able to just sit together since the diagnosis and it was interesting, a couple of things. He's ready for eternity. It's, it's intriguing to be with someone who knows. They, he's talked about Jesus. He's talked about eternal life. He's talked about heaven. He's talked about the presence of God. He's invited millions and millions of people to follow Jesus and really live. But now he's at the spot, and he's like, it's really interesting. Now I'm about to experience what I've been talking about. And that really is a shaping thing. And it's interesting to sit across the table from someone who's very aware of the number of their days. He doesn't know exactly, but no matter what they do, he's, he's, he's doing well with the treatment, but still there's no cure for this particular form. But what's more intriguing to me was most of the conversation was not about like me and eternity. It was about the opportunities that have opened up because his whole life has been about telling people about the love of God. And so now he's like, well, I've got this doctor. And he starts talking about how this has opened the door to talk to this doctor about the love of of Jesus, and then he's getting interviewed by everybody because he's a world leader. Everyone wants to interview him. Like, what is it like? And he's like, it's interesting. I'm able to sit with reporters. He sat with reporters his whole life, but now he's. I'm able to tell them from my own experience of what it's like to have peace with God. So he's not thinking so much about like how many days do I get, but he's realizing God's given him opportunities that he didn't know that he had. And like he always does whenever we get together, he's like, Jose, I just want to remind you, the time is now. Don't wait. Don't wait. The time is now. All you have is now. And that's just so right. Use your gifts now. Well, I share that because we're in the most personal part of this letter. We have never met Paul, and 
We don't understand. This is 2,000 years old. But he gives us a little insight. I want to see it this morning and over the next two weeks. This insight that we get. He's done with the content. We read the last content. The rest of this, if you read it, it could seem boring, but it, it shouldn't be. Because there are things that you and I can learn about how to live life well. Don't waste your life. How do you, how do you live in a, such a way that you don't waste what God's given you? Well, God brings mentors, leaders, guides into your soul and into mine to help shape us. Luis Palau is one of those people for me. Paul could be one of those people for all of us. So we're going to look at him, share about his life and his calling, not to read a history lesson. That's nice, but that's not the point. What I want us to see over the next three weeks is that there are things that you and I can step into that we may not even realize are there. And we can become the kind of people who, like Paul, make the most of every day and every year and every opportunity. If we have an ear and we really hear, we can live differently. So let's do this. Romans uh, 15, and we'll start in verse 14, uh, and we'll read almost to the end. So we have a lot to cover uh, today. And this is him like, kind of sharing insight about his own world. Verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I've written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. And here, catch this, this is the phrase. Because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable, acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I want us to see three things this morning that when I look at his life and his writings and I've studied these letters, that you pick up on him as a person that even though he's been dead 2,000 years, I hope that I would have in my own life and I hope you would have in yours and us as a church. Okay, the first thing, just write it down. Paul's got a passion for Jesus. If you want to do something with your life, passion is important. People who change things, start businesses, excel, innovate, a common thread, I don't care what industry that you're in, is they find that thing, that question, that idea, that problem, that challenge, that opportunity, and they go all in. Have you ever met someone that way? I don't even care if you're concerned about what it is. You see in them... An all-in mindset, morning, noon, and night. They're thinking about it. They're dreaming about it. They're working on it. And I see that in, in Paul as you look at not only the letter, but the way he lived. Look, look at verse 15. By the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the good news of God. And this is ancient language. So some of this we just need to bring to speed. How do you see yourself? How do you see what you do? Like whatever it is you're passionate about or working towards, maybe you're in that career, you're in that industry. Maybe you're just dreaming and you have all these options and you don't know how to narrow it down. Maybe you're at the end of a career and you're thinking, wow, I've given 20, 30, 40 years to this. Now what, right? What you see in Paul is this focused passion because he saw that his job wasn't just a job. Now he was a tent maker. He had a real trade and really worked with his hands and went from city to city. Sometime he had help and support so he didn't have to work with his hands, but often he, he had a regular career. But he saw what he did 
with a higher view. And I hope if you're a Jesus follower that you see that thing. If you're a student, that you're not just a student. If you're a mechanic, you're not just a mechanic, an accountant, a videographer, whatever you are and whatever you hope to be, that you, because of Jesus, are not just that. If you want to make a difference with your life, you realize that God has given you, and he gives this phrase, the priestly duty. What is that? Paul knew the Bible, and he knows God's story. And remember, back to Exodus, and God rescues a group of people, says, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be in my presence, right? And so sometimes because we're off, and we're out of step and out of sync with God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you these priests. And what is, what's the priest's job? The priest stands, now I'm saying priest, and you're like, whoa, hold on, like, is that the guy with the robe, kind of cranky, in an ornate building with stained glass? No, our view of what a priest is, is a little outside of what the Bible's trying to tell us. As a matter of fact, in Peter, you see, post-Jesus, we are a community of priests to God. If you follow Jesus in a real sense, in the right, not the cultural sense, in the rightful sense, you're a priest. What does a priest do? A priest stands between God and the people and helps welcome them in. So in the Old Testament, when there was a temple or tabernacle, they would stand there, right where God's presence is, and they would help people. The job of the priest isn't to do the work for you or to meet God for you. The role of the priest was always if you're slightly off to get you in the right spot so you know what's right and do what's right and you get in and you can enjoy God's presence. That is the goal of the priest. So, so here's what Paul says. I've been given this, like, this duty and this honor. He sees Jesus in light of everything God has already done. You see, because when God brought Moses and the people to the mountain to give them the Ten Commandments, God said, if you remember, read carefully, I want everyone to come up. Because I want a people that all are with me so the world will know. A kingdom of priests, a community of priests, a church of priests. Again, don't think rogue. Don't, 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 don't think like went to seminary. Think people who know God and know how to invite people close. And he sees Jesus as the fulfillment of everything that was in the temple and the sacrifices. So now, fast forward to us. What does it mean for you and I to be a community of priests? It means that you and I get to enjoy God's presence wherever we go. You, if you follow Jesus, wherever you go, God is there. God's presence is real. You may not sense it. You may not live like it. You may not know it. God is with you. And wherever I go, it's an opportunity for me to encounter people who are, feel far off and welcome them by my life and by what I say. I get the privilege, you get the privilege of inviting people who feel far from God and let them know, no, because of Jesus, there's nothing special about me or you. We were invited, someone told us, and now I want you to know that you can live close, you don't have to live far. He sees his work as a priestly duty. And so he says, wherever town I go to, whether he worked on tents or with leather or whatever he did and created that paid the bills, he saw his greatest goal was people. And so let's just think of your life. If you want to be used, if you want to make your life count, it's not about the task that you do. It's not about the title that you have. It's less about your clout or your paycheck or your 401k. If you follow Jesus, 
you have the opportunity to invite people who feel far. And because of your life, they can now know that Jesus is inviting them close. This is your calling. So Paul has a passion for Jesus. The first thing we see is he's got a total dedication and a passion for Jesus. And you, you may not be like his particular mindset and job. Maybe your, your role in this world is not to travel and plant churches. That's not most of our role. Maybe it's not to write the Bible. That's definitely not your role. It's already been written. But, but you and I have the same calling. And the thing that separates Paul, I think, from most other people is he knows who he is. He's clear in his mindset. He's awake because he's read the Bible in light of Jesus. He knows that he's one of many who is now continuing the work of Jesus. Jesus always invited people, the leper, be healed, come follow me. The people caught in sin, in the middle of sin. All right, go sin no more, come follow me. The people who everyone else overlooked, come follow me, follow me. Jesus invited people to live in God's presence. And now, in a very real way, because Jesus is risen, he's given you the Holy Spirit, you and I have the same priestly duty. It's an honor, it's a privilege. The question is, do we see it? Let's just do the litmus test. Paul, if you read his life and you read his late letters, letters to Timothy and Titus, at the end of his life, you see that his passion isn't gone. If you've been following Jesus 15 years, say 15 years now, are you more passionate now about this Jesus you follow than when you first started? I'm glad to hear it. Thank you very much. Honesty. Are you, are you growing? It doesn't mean we don't hit the cycles. We all hit low points. We all have questions. We all have struggles. We have seasons of doubt, seasons of worry, seasons of neglect. We all do. But what you see in Paul that separates us, him, and can separate us is a genuine passion for Jesus that even in the face of real opposition, he doesn't give up. And so I say to you as a friend and as a leader in this church, don't give up. You keep going and, and continuing to pursue Jesus, he'll give you a passion for the things that he puts in front of you. Now, you don't have to change careers. Our mission as a church is really clear. We're about helping people experience life in Jesus. Helping people experience life in Jesus. To me, it summarizes everything we, we've read in Romans. In Romans, we see that God's plan is to bring everyone close. And, and the way that he does it is he takes me and you and he sends us out to share this good news. So if you're a part of this church, what's your, what's your job? Well, you may help set up and tear down. You may teach the kids. You may teach on a stage. You may play in the band. No, no, no. Our role, no matter what we're called to do in terms of title, is to help people. Your opportunity is to help people experience the life that you're experiencing in Jesus. The number one thing that will stop you from fulfilling that calling is personal passion. And so we're inviting you. Ladies, come out on Tuesday night. Spend a night with other women thinking about and engaging in prayer and encountering God. Because you and I, as our passion for Jesus grows, it's going to be obvious in the way that we live and in what we do. Look at what passion does. Look at the end of verse 17. We'll just keep reading for a bit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. And I'm not going to venture to speak of anything expect, except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and by what I've done. 
And look at, look at his little resume. By the power of signs and wonders, people were healed. The most miraculous things happened through this man's life. Through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. And these places don't make sense to us, but I'll explain a little later. I have fully proclaimed the good news of the gospel of Christ. And it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Jesus or Christ was not known so that I'm not, I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, and then he quotes the Bible and sees himself in it. Those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. See, Paul just picks up on what God has been doing from the beginning pages. God's always been about rescuing, and he's always been about choosing a people, you and me, normal, ordinary, messed up people, cleaning us, caring for us, shaping us, transforming us, and then sending us out to be representatives. And so Paul sees his mindset as whether I'm making a tent or teaching a study, I'm about helping people experience this life in Jesus. And so for you, it could be as a mom, about seeing your opportunity to have these kids for a certain number of years and investing and shaping them and calling them. It could be as a college student that God's giving you these moments, right, to be with other people who are thinking about their future and their life. And rather than being swayed by everyone else's mindset, that you get to be that person, that young person who says, you know what, Jesus is shaping how I see my future and what I do with my life. It, it could be as a, a young couple just figuring out what it means to live with someone else and everyone's got their mindset and, and everyone's got their way of thinking, but Jesus certainly becomes the center of your relationship and that shapes how other couples see you. A mechanic, an athlete, a business owner, our mission doesn't necessarily mean our quote-unquote job changes. It means our mindset changes about the thing that I do. And when I see Jesus as the center of everything and I grow in a passion for him, I see everything as an opportunity to touch people, even if your job isn't necessarily people-centric, maybe you're crunching numbers or crunching data, that God's using you somehow to help people in the end. Why are we here today? Why are you sitting in that chair? It's really because seven years ago, a group of people started praying about God doing something in this area. It started with an idea. Seven years ago, hundreds of people were driving to a church called Solid Rock. Ever hear of it? Yeah, we're changing our name next year to, no, it's just a joke. We're not changing our name. <laughs> calm, calm down. Calm down. So, uh, so there was a, a church that said, you know what, we've got hundreds of people from the 26th area, from Hillsborough and Beaverton and out to Banks and Cornelius and all that. And, and there are the people driving to Tiger. What would it look like for there to be a church there? You see, there are people here that need to experience life in Jesus. And what would it look like for some to take a hard step and to walk away from what's comfortable, right, and familiar and plant something new? The reason you and I are here is because people before you got here had a passion for Jesus that led them to do something. And so here we are, we're six years old as a church, and, 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 and that mission mindset, it should never change. Think about what we're doing right now. I just want to, again, not talk about Paul, but take Paul's mindset and drop it into our DNA. Uh, it's trying new things. From the moment we thought we'd be in this area, and we announced the church at Hillsborough Stadium. The first time it was announced was in that stadium seven years ago in the summer. And from that 
moment, I thought, man, we need to fill this not with just a church gathering. We need to fill this with people who have yet to encounter the love of God. And here we are. It's taken us a while, six years. But on August 12th, we're going to invite you to invite everyone in other churches and other friends from all over the area an opportunity. And you and I get to be a part of that. But friend, that's just the beginning. When you hear good news today, it's not just an event that's going to end on August 12th. It's the beginning of something. I just believe it's the beginning of events that our church will be a part of all over the country. I think that God's calling us not just to do it here, but to partner with churches in other cities here and in other parts of the world. I think it's the beginning of something that's going to touch, I'm not exaggerating, millions of lives through media. We're living in a media-saturated country and people are getting content on their phone more than any other place. And we can take true things, things that are right and true and good, and we can get it to where people are at. And I think that good news today for us isn't, a, isn't an event only, but it's an avenue to do that kind of thing. I see tours in the future where we're going and partnering with churches in multiple places and just stirring the pot and calling people to follow Jesus. And, and I don't know how any of that's going to happen, and I frankly don't care. I don't because, thanks for the whistle, because, it's not every day you whistle that, but thank you. Uh, I, I say it because vision begins when we have a passion for Jesus. And you see it exactly in Paul's life. So, so where, does, where does he go to? Verse, uh, verse 22. Let's just keep reading. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. He has a passion for Jesus. And his passion kept him from going to Rome. Verse 23. But now there's no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. And I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I enjoyed your company for a while. Verse 25. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem and the servants of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. And they were pleased to do it. And indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing, they owe it to the Jews to share with them material blessings. So after, notice this like itinerary list. After I've completed this task and have made sure they've received this contribution, I will go to Spain and I'm going to visit you on the way. And I know when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I pray for you, because what you see here are bold plans. I pray that you get a bigger vision of what God wants to do through your life. Now that may be as a nurse, and again, it may be as a stay-at-home mom. Forget what you do, that in your doing of whatever it is, that you'll get a bigger vision of what God can and will do in and through you. It starts with a passion for Jesus. And if we don't have that, that's where we need to start. God, rekindle a passion for you. But the second thing is it's not just passion. Because you ever meet someone who's just full of zeal but does nothing? I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. And they write it down but it never gets off the page. The second thing you see in Paul's life are bold plans. Write it down. And I pray that it's not just words on a page for you, but as you go before God and say, God, rekindle a passion for you, that you will begin to receive bold plans. And that's what you see in Paul's life. There's nothing small. Now, again, because we don't know the places, this is just like a laundry list of names we've never heard of. 
But you've got to think about what he's talking about. He is talking about his current trip. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And I'm just going to, without a map, we'll call this east and that's west. And the church starts in Jerusalem in the southeast, okay? Not southeast Portland, but just the southeast. And, and it begins to spread. And that's, that's where Paul has the beginnings of the good news for him. And it goes from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And it goes a little further, further north. And, and then it goes to Antioch. And that's where Paul's home church is. But this good news just keeps spreading. And so, so now he's gone to all of these regions, all the way around to Illyricum. And let's just say he's gone to all of these areas. And he says, there's no more room for me. I've gone everywhere and I've done everything. He's talking about 10 years of his life. He's got such bold plans that he sees a whole region as being touched in just 10 short years. Now, a couple of things you need to know. Paul's passionate about the whole thing God's called him to do. Notice he goes preaching and planting churches. And he says, I'm going back to Jerusalem to bring a contribution of food and money, uh, food and, and cash to the poor. So Jesus' work, kingdom work, is about evangelism. It's about sharing the gospel where people have yet to receive this good news. But it's also about love and care and concern. So Paul, as he's preaching in these churches, he hears there's been a famine in Jerusalem. And these are brothers and sisters that this church has never met. But he knows them both. So he says to these churches, you've got cash. You have extra. Your brothers and sisters are suffering. So he goes around. And he goes and he, he preaches the gospel. He teaches how to follow Jesus. And then he collects money and says, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem and, and then take care of the church there. Now maybe you lean in one of those directions. Maybe your heart is for the poor and the needy and the orphan and the broken. We need you. That's part of Paul's mission and vision. Maybe you're more the pioneer. I want people who've never heard to receive the good news. We need you. We need all of us, all of us in our own unique way, having bigger, bolder plans. Because here's what he says. I'm going to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to come to you in Rome, but only because Antioch's been my home church, but God's calling me to Spain. And we'll call Spain way out there in the northwest. God's calling me to Spain. Spain is an unreached group. Spain doesn't have the gospel like you have it. So I'm going to go from Jerusalem. I'm going to go all the way to Rome. And then I'm going to make my home base with you. And I, we're going to become close. And we're going to become brothers and sisters and love one another. And then you're going to send me off. And I'm asking you to have a bigger vision for your life. And to send me in a group. And we're going to go to Spain. And we're going to plant a church. You see, that whole trip is 3,000 miles. 3,000 miles, no planes, no trains, no automobiles. It is all by boat in dangerous country or walking or on an animal. But Paul's passion for Jesus is willing to take him out into the unknown. And I just want you to know that even as a church, we want to be bold in the things that we do and we don't want to remain with the status quo. I'm, I'm giddy about what God's done through you. In six years, we've been a part of so much, but you need to know from day one, we've collected 20% of everything that you give to do bold initiatives for people who are outside of our local church. And we used to call it church planting and evangelism and hear the cry. And with so many new people coming and us having to explain ourselves, we decided to simplify. And now that 20%, we simply call the share fund. 
Why? We want to share the good news with people who have yet to hear and share with those in need. And out of that 20% that you give, which in the next coming year will be about a quarter of a million dollars, that you're going to give through your regular giving. Not everything you give goes to Jesus' work, but we're setting aside like a quarter of a million dollars that goes to Jesus' work outside directly what happens in our gatherings and in our communities and in our local church. Why? Bold plans. We want Jesus to do through us greater things. So, so where's that money gone? Last 18 months, we, not just us, but together with other churches, have been a part of planting churches in Bend, Oregon, in Spokane, Washington, and San Diego, California. Still partnering with churches that are planting churches in Estonia, in Eastern Europe, and in, in Uganda, in a northern place of Uganda called Arua. That money has gone to help preach the gospel in other places, in the UK and Romania, and through other organizations and other ministries like Luis Palau. It's gone to care for those who are in need, whether it's locally through refugee care or internationally in helping to end the sex trade through organizations like Remember New that will be here in a couple of weeks to share the vision. I could go on and on and on. I'll just give you one that's happening right in our backyard. The um, shelter at Arenco Station, some of you know of it. Some of you have served at it or given. It's run by Sunrise Church or started, but it's a partnership of local churches and people helping through three months of the winter with those that are homeless. I just got a letter giving an update, and I didn't even realize. In 90 days, 384 homeless friends were given two meals, showers, clothing, hygiene items, and employment connections. Just in the last 90 days of our winter, 41 of them were able to find a permanent place to stay. 41 of them were able to find a permanent job. And you and I are a part of that. We're giving because we want to see kingdom work happen. But here's what I'm, I'm here to say. This is just the beginning. These are great things and I'm giddy about them. But I, I'm asking God for more and I'm asking you to ask God for more. In other words, what's your Spain? Like, like Paul has done all this. Ten years of giving his life and he's preached all the way from Jerusalem and all the way in the region of Illyricum and into Achaia and all these areas. And he has said, there's no more room for me. Which, if you read the geography, is actually not true. Paul didn't go to every town and every village. He knew, he, he had a laser focus. His mission was to plant churches in the biggest cities. And if he would plant a church in Ephesus, and if he would plant a church in Thessalonica, if he would plant a church in the big cities in Philippi, then they, because they have believers there who have friends and family in the smaller towns and villages, they would in turn go back home, share the good news, and more churches would be planted. But he says, in these 10 years, my work there is done. Now it's time for new ground. And can I just say to you, if you've been in Jesus for a long time, there may be new ground for you. And it may not be like a job change or career shift. It may be. But it could be that God is giving you a new area to do the same thing that you've been doing that's going to now have greater impact. God is stirring us. So we want to be a people, hear me, as a church that are always praying and always listening and always expecting and always searching and always asking for more. Friends, it is not the time to become content. And I'm going to speak to some of you who have been following Jesus for a long time. It is not the time to coast. It's not the time to be content with, remember back in the day when we did. It's the time to get on our knees and say, God, thank you for what you're doing. God's doing amazing stuff. 
I'm not a masochist or a glutton for punishment. I just believe that if the good news is for everyone, everyone hasn't received it yet. And if that's the case and that's true, friend, there's new ground for you and I to take. A passion for Jesus and bold plans. As a church, we just want to believe for bigger so that 10 years from now, when people look back, what they won't say is, wow, that was an amazing church. I hope and pray if a story is ever told about this church, they'll be about, God did this through them? Because when you look at Paul's life, that's absolutely the case. That God would take a Jewish rabbi who's killing Christians, turn his life upside down, and he would be the chief spokesman to people that he formerly hated. That is nothing short of a miracle. And what God can do through Paul is the same God that could do it through you. And we want to trust God for greater things. All right. Passion, yeah, we need it. Bold planning, we need it. One more thing I want us to see, and then we're going to continue next week. Read into chapter 16. You're going to see the most obscure names you've ever read. And you're going to see, like, it's a laundry list of people. We want to pick up on it next week, how God takes a group of people who have nothing in common and pulls them together and does great things. But for today, let's just read verse 30 through to the end. And one more thought. 30 to the end. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Join me in my struggle. It's an interesting phrase. Verse 31, pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. The third thing I think I see in Paul's world that I hope would be a part of our world is growing partnerships. Write it down. Growing partnerships. What does it take to become the person that God can use in greater ways? A passion for Jesus and bold planning. But then Paul doesn't try to do it alone. He's just one guy. And what he says is, hey, I can't help Jerusalem without this group of churches. So thank God for this whole group of generous people because now I'm going to go to Jerusalem and, oh, by the way, I'm carrying a lot of cash. Pray for me that I get there. And, by the way, there, were ra- there was racial tension between the church in Jerusalem and outside. Too long to bring up today, but there were some huge disagreements. And he's like, you know what, I'm trying to do good, but in me bringing money from these non-Jews, some of these people in the church may not receive it. They may think I have an ulterior motive. And so join me in my struggle. How? By praying for me. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I could do much. I don't feel like I know much. Paul says, I need people on my team, brothers and sisters, family, that join in the struggle by praying. That's why I think the timing of Karen, who's here this morning, teaching on Tuesday. I've known Karen for more than 20 years, and she's not talking smack about prayer. She's lived this life and modeled it in her own world of growing in a passion for personal prayer and prayer in small group together, not as ritual, but as a life-changing encounter with God for the greater good of what God wants to do in the world. And 
friend, there's room for us to grow. So ladies, and if you're a guy and you put on a wig and show up, we'll mock you and kick you out. But hopefully you have that bold passion to learn in the area of prayer. Pray that I may be kept from unbelievers. Pray that the gift may be favorably received. And then he says, pray that I'll make it to you. Why? That by God's will, I could come to you with joy and in your company, this is interesting, be refreshed. So he knows that he's going, he's going to Rome to get money. Because God's calling him to Spain. But he's like, you know, when I show up with you in Rome, I know God's going to use you to build me up. And I know God's going to refresh me if I get there. And, and I know that I'm going to be a blessing to you. And together, whether you make it to Spain on foot or your giving or your prayers or your encouragement or your networking, together we're going to touch Spain. Guess what? We don't even know if he ever made it. <laughs> this is, I love it. We, we don't even know, and depending on who you read, whether Paul actually made it to Spain or not. Here's the beautiful thing about this man of God. He had such bold plans. In one sense, it doesn't make a difference. He had a plan to reach his entire world with the gospel. And if we'll get that kind of spirit in our spirit and be passionate for Jesus and think big and plan big and trust God, not for ourselves. Paul doesn't have an ego trip. I'm not going to boast in anything except what the grace of God has done in my life. And he does have a little bit of tongue-in-cheek through signs and wonders. <laughs> so God's using me. He's not ashamed to say it, but he's not cocky about it. We're already partnering. So I'm not saying this is theory. We're already doing this. We are in partnership with many other churches in our area. And it's a beautiful thing. I get to see it from behind the scenes. Something that's happened already in this Good News Today initiative for August is we are praying together and networking as churches and we're serving together. And when you come to that event, if you do and you bring people, what you're going to see is people from many, many, many churches of all types together in one place all focusing on Jesus. Not only that, in our church planting, we're a part of a church network the Jesus Church Network. We're one of the churches that was planted out of the network. And guess what? In six years, we've been part of the blessing. We received hundreds of thousands of dollars so that we can start hundreds of thousands of dollars of someone else's generosity launched us. So it makes sense that we've given away hundreds of thousands of dollars to help. This is what kingdom partnership is all about. But it's not just in the big, it's in the small. What are the things Jesus is calling you to do. What is he calling you? You say, I'm 16, he's not calling me to do anything. Yes, he is. He's calling you to be a part of it. Side note, and, uh, and maybe it's helpful. Do you know some of our high schoolers are doing the stuff behind the scenes right now? This isn't just for college students or 20-somethings or 30-somethings or retired people. No matter where you are, there is a place for you now. The question is, will you step in. So I rejoice. I'm content in one sense that God has taken us and he's put us together and he's doing kingdom work. But frankly, in the other sense, when I see the world, I'm not content. I want more. And I know that God can do more through us. So how do we respond? I think the question for today and this week, come back next week, we'll pick up on this, is what does it look like for you to live all in? I think that's the question. 
because Paul had his opportunity and God gave him his window. And, and he clearly went, people said this guy has gone mad. He's gone insane, right? He was so radical in the good sense. Not jihadist, not evil, not hate. But he was so radically dedicated to give his life for the kingdom of Jesus that in the end he did give his life. What does it look like for you to live all in? And, and depending on where you're at in, in age and stage, I don't know what that looks like. But I know that Jesus will meet you where you're at and he'll bring you to the place that you need to be when you ask him. Here's the crazy thing about following Jesus. You can skid by and ask for nothing and get nothing. And, and the kingdom keeps moving. And God has men and women, young and old, that he's going to use but you know, you know who misses out, sadly to say, and I have seasons in my life where I look back and like, wow, I was sliding by. The person who misses out is me because there are opportunities with my name on it. And if I just say, eh, God's going to raise someone else up. But I miss, I miss the blessing of being obedient. I miss the blessing of seeing God move and work through my own life. And I just don't want you to miss out of what God can do and will do through you when you go all in. And all we can do is ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what does all in look like for me today? And then guess what? If you ask next week, there may be a little nuance. And you ask next year, it may be something radically different, but we want to get in that rhythm of saying, Jesus, we want to be, we want to be in for people, for people's sake. I hope we grow in a vision of what God will do through us. Here's good news, because I don't want to leave you with a guilt trip like, man, like I, just, I don't know. Uh, in the end, we don't need to stress about it. Look at his last line. The God of peace <laughs> be with you all. This is, this is where it ends. So, so he's not saying to this church, you have to figure out how to get me to Spain. He's like, the God of peace be with you. And when you go all in, the God of peace will be with you and lead you and guide you to the place that you need to be. You don't have to figure it out. God will take you there when you ask him. So let's ask him, can we, together? Why don't you stand? And in worship, let's make this time of singing a response. It's not just songs and it's not just checking out, but it's, it's asking God, okay, God, I'm asking you to do the more through me. I want to be, I want to be all in. I want to I want to know your ways and I want to fall in love with you so that I could be used. And let's just invite him to do it. Even as we sing, maybe the Holy Spirit is going to give you one thing that you need to let go of or one thing that you need to pick up on that's going to take you to this next thing that he wants to do in your life. And if he does it, do me a favor. If you got your phone and keep notes on your phone or if you got a little pad, write it down. Because by the time you go to lunch, you'll forget. Or mentally say, that wasn't God, that was me. So when God brings something to our mind, let's make sure we write it down and then bring it to someone else who loves Jesus and say, you know, I think this morning God was saying this and I'm asking you to partner with me to discern whether this is right. And if we think this is right, that you would get on my case <laughs> until I take action steps. We need each other. Lord, do something glorious in and through us, not so that we're known or famous or respected, but that people will look to you, Jesus, and live in 
So Holy Spirit, work in us and through us as we sing, as we respond, as we go to the table. And remember your sacrifice, your death and your resurrection for our life and our good. We love you, Jesus. Have all of us, we pray.